the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk all things financial with me. How are you, Mr. Burton? Great. How are you? Good. Now, mortgage rates have been super low. I think this is a good time to revisit the topic that, you know, it's not all about the stock market hitting all-time highs. Um, how does it? How do you go about changing financial planning when mortgage rates are so low? so low because I myself am looking at another investment property because mortgage rates are so low. But also I have a little extra cash. Good. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, could rates go lower? Yeah. Yeah, they, they could. If you had a market market correction or, you know, slowdown in the U.S. and continued monkey, money printing and monetary stimulus and ECB in Japan, um, yeah, they could. But, boy, it surprised me. Um especially with oil prices being where they are and kind of the consumer can get, getting a little boost here for the next year with low oil prices. But, you know, it doesn't change a lot of advice to young people, Rob. Um, what my fear is, and I'm not seeing this at all, is that people get to the point where they're doing home equity loans or refinancing, pulling cash out to invest in stocks after a rally. So I always tell people never pull equity out of your home to invest in stocks. Equity in your home can go to other positive cash flow real estate investments. So in other words, if you can refinance your house, you get a little extra cash down, you can put 30% down on another property. And after you, you know, rent it and pay all the taxes and other fees, you have positive cash flow. Great. It's a great asset. But younger people should still get into homes that they can afford, get into a home. If you can't continue to put 10% or more into your 401k and afford that mortgage, pass pass until you've saved enough money up to put down so that you can continue to put money into your 401k. Um, the biggest changes are those for people that are close to or, or in retirement because of the lack of interest rate on CDs and because of where the bond market is. So it's really changed mostly for people that, that are, you know, I have excess cash, do I put it in 
bonds because I don't like CDs right now. What do I do with the money? Now, I've heard you also talk about some retirees paying off their house. Good idea, bad idea, um, especially with the recent gains in the stock market, maybe kind of a rebalancing. Yeah, yeah. This is where the biggest change is. So typically it's pretty easy to say, okay, we started the year at 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and now we're 70% stocks, 30% bonds because of growth in equities. So the smart thing to do is to rebalance back to your risk tolerance. Um, so when we go to rebalance, we either say, okay, do we need any more cash? So I always have three years' worth of expenses in cash. But if they already have that cash locked down, the question is, is where do we go? Do we peel the gains from the stock market to reduce the overall risk so the person can sleep at night and buy more bonds, which are yielding under 3% right now in most bond funds? Right. Um, so, or do we pay off the mortgage? And that's been the biggest change the 22 years that I've been in the business, um, that we've looked at very many situations and said, you know what, let's take a look at your tax projection, let's work with your CPA and say, if you pay off your existing mortgage with this extra cash that you either have accumulated on the sidelines or because you are overweight in equities and you need to reduce your risk so you can sleep at night, that's where we've looked at um, paying off a mortgage if they could still continue to itemize their deductions. Um, or sometimes people are so far into their amortization schedule uh, they they aren't getting much of a bang for their buck out of their mortgage anyways. And one of the biggest issues is um, last week I met with a couple. They were 50 years old and okay. pretty aggressive investors for 50-year-olds. They're 80-20 stocks versus bonds, right? And so as we were looking at their financial plan, they had 4.75% rate on a home that they had purchased in February. And big-time big savers, Rob. These guys were fully funding their 401ks and really kind of always had They'd been doing Roths until they weren't eligible anymore, and they're doing backdoor Roth IRAs. And they didn't want to, you know, look at a situation where they bought more bonds. So as we're looking out to prepare for retirement in 15 years, you can either reduce your risk over time in your portfolio, so it looks more like a retirement portfolio, or reduce your cash flow risk. So we're actually having them refinance to a 15-year at 3.25% at this point in time. Um, and you've got to look at it both ways. You can take your existing loan and pay more money on it so it's paid off in less than 30 years, or you can refinance. In their case, the refinance actually makes sense. In many cases, people might just accelerate their payments. But for people under age 50 to accelerate their payments and put more money into the walls of their house that goes up or down in value, regardless of how much they owe on it, it's a little bit silly. So that's where my advice has changed on these historically low interest rates is really those that are kind of 15 years away from retirement or in retirement. Okay. Now, when you said, and I just want to focus on this for a brief moment, when you said, yeah, for 50 years old, they're 80-20, and that's really aggressive. How do you fight the, the markets at an all-time high, and their mentality is, I wish I would have been 100 stocks in zero equity, because I, I know it's a lot like baseball. There's a lot of second-guessing going on. Yep, yeah. Well, if you look at... Um, you know, most people try to compare their portfolios to just the S&P 500, where, where they actually have small cap, they have emerging markets, they have international. And if you look at this, and, and this is going to be a topic for a webinar in 2015, because this comes up a lot, is basic portfolio construction. And if you look at a portfolio that was all equities and all diversified equities versus, say, a 60-40 split, the 10-year average return is only about 1.5% difference. Yet in 2008... 
the negative, the downside was about 15% more or so. So instead of being down 38%, a balanced portfolio is down much less, which meant the recovery was much less. And that is key to realizing, okay, when I'm drawing a loan portfolio, it's really important not to fall as much as the overall market. And do you give up a lot over time? Over a 10-year period, no. If you look at it on a one- to two-year basis, yeah, it feels like you're way behind. But over a 10- to 15- to 20-year period, which is your period in retirement, you don't really give up a, a whole heck of a lot in your average annual rate of return over 10-plus years. So it's really just going back and looking at market history, looking at the numbers, and realizing how volatility benefits you when you're younger, but when you're older, it does not benefit you. Okay. Anything else that we need to know? We've got about a minute. Um, no, I think it's a good time, though, to make sure you've accumulated all your dividends and interest, your stock option income for the year, your capital gains, um, any IRA distributions. Gather up all of that information and give your tax advisor a call to see where you are for the year, see if you need to make any extra payments by January 15 to uh, catch up on your withholding. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. It's that time of year where, you know, it is time to start looking into uh, planning next year, but also finishing your plans for 2014. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Lots of good videos. There's an email list that you can sign up for. There's an upcoming event tied towards what's referred to as a webinar, um, i.e. you get to sit at the comfort of your home or office in your underwear and learn about the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Webinar. Uh, it's coming up middle of December. Registration is free. You can uh, pick up the 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning Webinar where he and I will go over tax-efficient investments, Social Security benefits, uh, Market conditions will be discussed. What to do for 2015 will be laid out. You can sign up for the webinar at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Technology, we can talk about for sure. Talk about Apple and the iPhone 6. and It's going to be a big, big next six months for Apple as far as sales go, running through Christmas with China, through Chinese New Year, Chinese Spring, um, and just demand for a bigger phone. It's kind of a new product form compared to their smaller phones. I switched based on that alone. So I own shares of Apple. I should explain that from time to time. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Pick up the phone today, 800-516-1220. Let's talk a little real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. A lot of people want to buy a house, and they start with, I want to buy a house. How do I calculate how much I could afford? What's the number? Um, okay, so the standard guidelines, and that's what you're going to follow. These are 
the best rates out there are from Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, and you have to follow those guidelines. They're going to say you can spend a certain percentage of your income. If you're W-2, that's your gross income. If you're self-employed, that's going to be your net income that goes over on your 1040. So it's a basic uh, formula, and you have to factor in uh, the, the actual debt on the house called PITI, Principal Interest Tax and Insurance. Slow it down. Slow it down. PITI. PITI. PD. PD. And What's any other expenses for? that go into the property plus your other debt. So. Uh. And if your credit score is high enough, and this is where credit score becomes a big factor in how much you can borrow. So if you have a 640 score, you're going to borrow less than somebody who has a 740 score based on your income. So your percentages are allowed to go higher. So let's say that that max is 45%. That's called your back-end ratio. That back-end ratio is 45% of your gross income if you're W-2. That's a pretty high number. Right. So if you make $10,000, you can spend $4,500 a month on all of your debt. So if you if you have $500 in credit card and car payment debt, then that leaves you with 4000 for PITI. Gotcha. So you work backwards, you subtract, let's say it's a $500,000 house, that's about 500 in taxes, about $100 a month in insurance, back that out, that leaves you with $3,400. So it seems like if you're going to yeah. be buying a house in a year, you should start paying down your credit, in large part because it's going to be part of the factor. It is going to be because that if you have a lower credit score, that ratio could go from 45% down to 35%. So you're losing the ability to buy, and, it, and it's retarding your ability to go at a higher price. And it might put you in a worse neighborhood, better, you know, worse school districts. So credit score really translates big into the uh, real estate industry. Gotcha. One of the things I try to tell people, there's no rule of thumbs. I mean, you could kind of start with a, an area. Like when I was growing up, it was... No more than 28% of your income should go right. into servicing your mortgage. That's pretty nice. It's conservative. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good standard to follow. But ultimately, what a lot of people still don't understand how to calculate their income, especially if you're self-employed. Some people use their gross. Some people use their net. But they forget that there's things you could back into it. Ultimately, you do have to get pre-approved. That's really the first step. And let a professional do it. I think people try to do it too, too much on their own. They get a realtor. They start shopping, and then they find a a loan agent, and they find out that they're not approved for a certain amount because it could have been their credit score. They're looking at a different program that has mortgage insurance that also gets factored in the PITI, MI. So there's a lot of other factors that play into it, and, and it becomes more difficult nowadays. There's no stated income programs. There's no um, starter teaser rates that can help you qualify. It's all straight math now, and it's straightforward. It's something people really need to get comfortable with is how much can you afford because I can tell you, a lot of people don't think about property taxes. That comes in, bam. That's That hurts. It hurts. Um, a roof goes bad. Yeah. Um, people go into foreclosure. Again, I had a friend whose father took money out of his house, bought a house, took money out of that house, bought another house, took money out of that. And he'd never prepared for a worst-case scenario. And when a worst-case scenario hit where he lost a, a renter, all four houses collapsed. Yep. All four houses went into foreclosure. Um, it became... Viral, And it doesn't have to be that way if you don't overbuy. Um, there's a rule of thumb, again, doesn't always work for people. It depends on how much money you put down and other factors. But two and a half times your annual salary. So mm -hmm. if you make $100,000, you could probably afford $250,000. Um, so a million-dollar house, which is norm on the peninsula, you need a lot of money to yep. afford that. A $400,000 income, probably. Um, if you're going to be doing a, you know, typical mortgage types. And again, that's what's what's focused about this. And but you did mention something that's uh, very important is people also underestimate their expenses on the property. Yep. Utilities, maintenance, it's estimated that you're spending $200 a month on average 
in maintenance. And what's is what's also interesting is this isn't part of the that your qualifying uh, debt, and it really does become a debt. It becomes a monthly debt that does not get included. So definitely uh, account for that and prepare for having higher expenses owning a property. Good stuff. Good things to know. Good things to ponder. I like arguments. I like conversation. Um, too many people buy houses without thinking of what can they actually afford. And sometimes you just should go into that starter house, you know? Sometimes that should be your first house for your next five to ten years. Build a little bit of equity and then, you know, get the house that you really, really want. Um, I'm not in my dream house. I still underbuy. Um, one day I'll be in my dream house. Probably when it's probably called a coffin. <laughs> Dirt <laughs> nap time. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Um, one of the big stories next year is going to be the HBO is going to come out with a standalone service. And again, will it cut down on people using cable TV directly if they can stream? We've seen the streaming numbers just go crazy compared to watching television in the last two years. One of the negatives for HBO with this is if you're watching commercials, and you know we have technology now to black out commercials, is companies like DirecTV and Comcast do promotion for HBO. It's kind of a relationship that they have written into a contractual relationship. So under HBO's contract with DirecTV, the cable channel would run into problems if it signs up more than 450,000 subscribers nationally for the over-the-top online service, or 300,000 in any given market. DirecTV would ha- now have the right to scale back its marketing of HBO, highlighting consumer offers, you know, for only five months of the year instead of 11 months. Um, so DirecTV would immediately get the right to offer HBO streaming product as well. So it's not a done deal. And it's definitely not smooth. And you can see that there's some complexities to it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. There's the Victoria's Secrets fashion show that's going to be aired sometime soon. I wish I had, you know, um, a number for you, but I don't. But Victoria's Secret, the annual spectator spectacle, in London, they they film it, they put it on TV. They did something very, very, very smart, and you know I almost hate to say it. They signed up Taylor Swift to sing at the show. And what's interesting is, you know, Taylor Swift during the TV show of the fashion show, the models are like, "I love Taylor Swift," but getting Taylor Swift to sing for them and be part of a TV special gets millions and millions and millions of girls 18 to 25 watching that show. And it gets people like me talking about it, which sells a lot of lingerie and gets a lot of publicity. Interesting how branding is so important in marketing. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
little Ginny Lewis bringing us out a break. When we're talking money, we also have to get some pop culture references in there. Bring in Brian Sozzi from thestreet.com, talking some holiday apparel trends or some holiday trends in retail. And again, there's a big bridge there into the investment world as consumer demand drives the economy. Economy drives Wall Street. How are you, Brian? Hey, what's happening, Rob? What's going on? Uh, not too much, and enjoying the holiday season. I'm already slowing down mentally, which is nice. <laughs> well, hang tough, and uh, definitely stay clear of the mall. It, uh, it's always packed this time of season. You know, it's interesting that you say that, because I was coming, I was driving this weekend, and I, coming back from Thanksgiving, one of the areas I want to avoid is, you know, the mall, um, because the traffic can kind of grind in front of it, and there was no one there. And well, it plays into that story of mobile, maybe, or what's your opinion on potential? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very good observation. I was kidding around a little bit because we did see a uh, slowdown in traffic after the uh, Thursday openings at the beleaguered Sears, uh, beleaguered Kmart, even JCPenney and Macy's, too. And the weekend, I think, slowed. And what you're seeing is the rise in mobile consumption. You know, people are now using their smartphones as the hub of their life, they're connecting to all sorts of other devices, and they're tapping into the new apps that these many of these retailers have announced. So there is not that need to visit the mall as there was in years past. And ironically, where you're also seeing this play out too is something like a Starbucks. You know, Starbucks is going to come out today. They have a big annual uh, investor event, and they're announcing a almost what amounts to a same-day delivery program. Why? Because people are buying things on mobile devices, and they're not driving past a Starbucks as much as they used to. I saw that Starbucks is their new app. You can now order your Frappuccino, walk in, and just pick, grab it. Like, there's no interaction with a person. So, uh, very cutting-edge technology company, Starbucks is. But back to the retail world, Sears, JCPenney's, and Kmart. And I know you've got some ideas on people being driven into the stores, but I remember them all from my childhood. Can any of them survive? Because I don't have a good memory, and as an adult, I don't shop there. Well, a, here's a couple. Here's a matter of fact on Sears. Sears is going to be out of business. It's just a matter of time. My long-running theme has been that Sears, as you see it today, will not be in its present form by 2017. I think uh, right now, 2014, they will have closed, uh, when it's all said and done, about 235 stores in the United States. I think you'll see an almost close to 250 store closures next year, mostly related to the Kmart brand just because uh, they're not getting that strong traffic. Nobody's shopping the stores uh, because Walmart and Target have done a much better job uh, in consumer electronics, also selling fresh food. But where we have seen a comeback of sorts uh, is JCPenney. You know, they're in better in stock this holiday season. People are shopping their home department, so that's a win. And then lastly, Macy's. Macy's is just putting all these companies out of business. They have the best brands on their sales floor. And finally, they have now launched a same-day delivery program in eight major markets for Macy's and four for Bloomingdale's. There is not one other department store remotely doing that stuff. What will that look like? If I wanted to get a shirt from Macy's, they'll hire a driver, will use Uber? Or what's that going to look like? <laughs> well, Macy's uses a service called D-Live. Uh, basically, you order, the, you order your uh, item online or mobile, and you will get it, and I believe close to six or seven hours. And, and JCPenney is supposed to announce something very similar, uh, probably in also some of the major markets that Macy's is in, sometime in 2015. But Macy's is very much leading. So it's, they're trying to take the offer you instant gratification that always comes with a smartphone. They're trying to apply that to the apparel and retail sector more broadly. Will that work, do you think? 
like, do we need everything delivered same day, or will some categories just work better than others? I would say furniture uh, is something we don't necessarily need the same day. Why? Because I think we need to plan that out. We need to make rooms in our homes to get okay. that furniture. But certainly, if you have Starbucks, you have a piece of apparel, you want a pair, a pair of sneakers, those are low, usually low-ticket items, let's say priced under – couple hundred bucks that you chances are you want to consume immediately, even Best Buy. I think Best Buy by 2016 will have some kind of same-day delivery program because if you see a 4K TV online and you see a great deal on it, you want it right now. Okay. Um, now back to the, some of the holiday trends. What are we seeing the retailers try to manipulate with us to get us to buy their product? Uh, they have extended their deals. Uh, what has happened is that a lot of retailers started their deals literally email bombing you the day after Halloween. So a lot of the doorbuster deals are still ongoing, lots of 30, 40, 50% off. I would say nothing completely outlandish, typical holiday season type deals. What I am seeing is you look at a Best Buy, and Best Buy has invested a lot of money uh, in improving the training of their employees. So the trick for them is, you're, you will probably be huddled up with a discussion for a Best Buy employee, let's say over a new 4K TV, for maybe a half an hour just because the employee is really helping you out, really trying to close you. So that's kind of a sneaky under-the-radar thing that you probably don't even realize is going on. Okay. Anything else that we need to know about retail? Brian Sozzi from thestreet.com. I would say more store closures. And I think from a financial aspect in our geeky land of finance, I think in the February of 2015, you're going to hear some massive store closure announcements uh, from Abercrombie & Fitch, Aeropostale, and to a lesser extent, American Eagle. Just those Tina Power retailers that continue to be ripped to shreds by H&M, Forever 21, and Zara. This Tina Apparel, um, one of the studies that I saw earlier this week, not even giving credit to the H&Ms and the Zaras and the, the competition, was basically saying teenagers would rather have an iPhone 6, and they're cutting down their budget per se on clothes, and they're going much simpler. Um, it's pretty crazy the perfect storm that is hitting like an Abercrombie and Fitch as far as they're going to have to close stores. You're, you're right on the mark. And this year, Abercrombie will have closed 60 stores. They're expecting another 60 stores next year. I think that will actually be close to 100. Uh, Aeropostale is closing hundreds of stores. And why? Fundamentally, you're having now more competition for those teenage dollars, which are already hard to come by. Uh, and listen, I'm a millennial. And when I grew up, there was no $400 smartphone. So where did my $400 go that I had saved up for six months? into the cash registers of an American Eagle, Abercrombie & Fitch, and Aeropostale, and that's just not happening now. Well said. Anything else that you want to add to this conversation? You're always an enlightened guest, and I appreciate it. Uh, I would say uh, the final thing would be the same-day delivery service like we talked about here. It is okay. the next uh, evolution in retail, the ability to order a product, and I think in Starbucks, in their case, in 2015, to have it delivered to you at work, uh, how can you not be excited about that? It's going to have to be a pretty big ticket purchase for it to make mathematical sense for Starbucks. It's going to have to be like a $15 order, though, right? There's got to be some string here. Yes. They, that, see, that's the wrinkle to this story that they haven't uh, told us. I do believe there will be some form of minimum order, maybe 10 bucks. It depends what type of deal they structure with the delivery service. I think we'll have to step in and help them out. This is interesting because this is also played onto this whole peer-to-peer -peer kind of um, Lyft and Uber, I can have my neighbor basically drive me somewhere is the bottom line concept. I don't have to move anymore. People would move for me. They'll drive a car for me. I'll sit at my office. They'll pour coffee in my mouth. Ain't it great? Uh, it, here's the problem, though. Uh, that is a fundamental, it's a very easy problem, convenience. Mm -hmm. And that, that may not last forever. It probably will. But being a second guesser, I have to go, you know, some of these ideas 
of delivering coffee to the office might not work margin-wise over time. But we'll see. Well, I think what will happen is uh, you might want to buy some shares in some gym owners because if we're not walking around buying some stuff, we're going to be packing all the pounds. That's right. Thanks very much. Thank Brian you. Brian Sosie, There's a concept out there that venture capitalists are basically funding, and this is what I was trying to get out there, you know, eat problems of millennials. Um, you know, Friday night they want to go out. We'll come pick you up at the left. We'll take you to the bar. We'll pick you back up. The problem being you don't want to get DUI. You don't want to drive. You don't want to find parking. Um, you know, there's an app now that you can pay. You can sell your parking space to somebody, and they'll wait there for you and give you the parking space. And the problems we aren't solving are cancer. The problems we aren't solving are, you know, uh, it's convenience is that we're going after. So it's going to be interesting to see how this ultimately plays out uh, because a lot of money is counting on people going with convenience. And we remember Webvan, and we remember um, companies that would deliver groceries to our house, and we would get home and there's groceries waiting for us. Yay! They, They were never able to make the financial metrics work, but it was an amazing service. It's a lot like Netflix. It's a convenient service that you don't have to go to the video store anymore. The video store comes to you. At one point in time, it's through the mail. Then it's through streaming. Um, Spotify, you don't have to go to the record store anymore. The music comes to you. Any music you want, it's there. And I have Spotify, and I kind of like the, you know discovering new music. I also have Sirius XM Satellite, and I kind of enjoy that. Um, but there's just something to be said for good old-fashioned AM radio and good old-fashioned you know, DJs. Like The thing I like about Sirius is they actually do have DJs who talk about the music a little bit. And I kind of miss that when I'm on Spotify because I kind of want to know that you know this band's from Las Vegas and they won Record of the Year and you know their lead singer's dating a hot chick from a girl band. Uh, some of the problems that are being solved are, again, literally of convenience. Um, and we'll see how sticky that is, because there's kind of a pining at some point in time um, for companies to make money. And if they can't pull out the margins of the, you know, the angle, it's going to be problematic. Again, Starbucks will be able to put out of business a lot of local companies, because a lot of local mom and pops won't be able to have the leverage to deliver the coffee straight to your office. But I loved it when Brian said, yeah, I'm a millennial, and... Uh, you know, right on. He is saying, this is very convenient for me, these various services of self of delivery. It's a big story, and it's put in a lot of malls. Think about the real estate of malls. They're going to have to find new stores or new businesses to put in those retail places. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. This is Brian Sosie from thestreet.com. The challenges of the unknown. Be safe, be safe. Whatever the mess you are, you might. Okay. That is the custom. I'm down. You know, a couple of days ago, I made a mistake. <clears throat> it happens. Um, and I'm admitting this because 
no one in media does. And like, for instance, if you were to see Jim Cramer's track record, and I'm not knocking him, but it's not perfect, but yet you would think it is. If you were to hear Susie Orman talk about her financial advice, you would think she's always right. I know, I know. You once said stocks always go higher. Just buy, always buy, always buy. Um, she was very indiscriminate about that advice, and that hurt a lot of people. She's leaving CNBC, and I'm thrilled by that. Um, with that said, Girl Scout cookies is something I made a mistake on. I know you're saying, you ate too many Girl Scout cookies? No. I talked about how I thought it was a bad idea that they're going to create, they're going to start selling Girl Scout cookies online. And I thought about it. Why did I not like the idea? I didn't like the idea because Girl Scouts you know, stand on the corner and they, hey, mister, you want to buy some cookies? And that's networking and that's skills. And like, hey, dad, take these to work and sell these. And like, hey, I'm going to sell these like door to door. I mean, I, you can't ever say no to a Girl Scout who knocks on your door, can you? If you can, you're just a mean, nasty troll who lives under a bridge and then I guess the Girl Scout wouldn't knock on your bridge, right? It's 130% true. I know. I love it when Will Ferrell agrees with me. Um, But I really love it when he screams Santa. Um, So Girl Scout selling cookies online actually makes more sense than I thought. Because I stopped and thought, like during that commercial break, Brian Sozzi from TheStreet.com, he wants things on mobile. He wants to shop mobily. So Girl Scouts need to get a mobile app, and that's exactly what they're going to do. <clears throat> they're introducing a mobile app where you can find where the, latest, the, the nearest Girl Scout congregation of uh, salespeople are. But also, you, the Girl Scout troop said, we want to be able to sell online because that's how we live our lives. If we keep hearing about people on YouTube... Why shouldn't a local Girl Scout buy an ad? For, why shouldn't she not place an ad on a local YouTube you know, area? So you can buy an ad on, let's say, the zip code 94115, somewhere in San Francisco. And she buys an ad, and then suddenly you're watching YouTube, and you get an ad for Girl Scout cookies. And it's a cute girl, and she goes, hey, I live on Van Ness, and I'm your local Girl Scout. Want to buy cookies? So they're going to personalize the web messaging and the app messaging. So it's going to be your local girl, Scout. Um, And I kind of like the idea because how is business being done today? Exactly mobile consumption. Um, Streaming apps as much as possible. I know I spend a lot more money than I would if it wasn't so darn convenient with mobile apps. And at one point in time, computers. But now to me, I get on my computer maybe an hour a day. So most of my work is done, you know, reading and um, calling and listening to conference calls, uh, newspapers, you know, anything that in print that I can get my hands on. So the computer, the desktop is not my – Amazon would get far fewer sales from me. The economy would get far fewer sales from me if it wasn't for, the, you know, the mobile phone. Um, just throwing it out there for you. And I, I get and I support the Girl Scouts um, doing this. The little pint-sized sellers, as I like to say them, they could email a link to their sales page to friends and family. And, you know, if you are a Girl Scout and you've got family across the country, hit them up via email. 
So I'm not so sure that I support the whole, you know, fatty cookie push, but I can't be a troll, can I? This is the season of Santa, isn't it? Starbucks mobile ordering debuts in Portland, where you can avoid lines. Um, we'll see how this works. One area that I don't think is a problem yet, but it could become a problem, are the menus are starting to become really huge at Starbucks. And that became a problem with uh, McDonald's. So how will Starbucks avoid that issue where you know McDonald's starts selling coffee and they've got now a station in back dedicated to coffee production and grinders and such. Um, and their response time in drive-through and the response time overall is slower because they've got so much of a complicated menu that has to be put together. And you don't want to waste a lot by pre-doing it and then having it get stale and sitting under a heater lamp for too much time. Anyway, um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, we have the markets that are not exactly roaring today, and that's okay. Um, we hit an all-time high yesterday on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The S&P 500 is close to one at this very moment. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe tomorrow you hit them. I, I don't care. I'm so far away from retirement that I don't care that markets are near records. I'm happy. I'm thrilled. It's a reflection of good economic times. But as I get closer, I'll cut my risk because that's when I don't want markets 50% off. Right now is when I want markets 50% off. The best thing that could happen to my wealth profile when I'm 60 is for the markets to get crushed right now. And because I buy more shares of companies. And for the record, a lot of people think 2016 is going to be a rough year on the market. A lot of people think 2015 is going to be pretty good. Maybe so at the back half of 2015 is when you start cutting some risk or you start recap, uh, rebalancing your portfolios. Uh, but again, it's, it's so early. <laughs> on a day-by-day basis of the stock market, it's too early to make a call like that. But you can start thinking about it. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The best collectible for 2014? Collectible. Keep in mind, investing is not just stocks and bonds and real estate. 
But it could be baseball cards and art. Um, you know, maybe you like little German porcelain figurines that you hope go up in value. <clears throat> so that's collectible. Um, surprisingly, a Ferrari. High-end cars thumping art this year. Pretty aggressively, too. So I think room, room, room. Cars as a category posted returns of 25%, while art was up only 5%. Honey, I need a brand new Ferrari that I'll park in the garage. I need, I need. Cars have beaten art over the longer term as well, clocking gains of 111% over the last five years, compared to 17% for art, gaining 469% cars have over the last 10 years, compared to 226% for art. If I were in the... mode of kind of uh, wealth finder, um, needing new places to come up with um, investments. I want to look at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. I would look at the San Jose Museum of Modern Art. It is a much smaller museum, not saying that it's any worse. Um, but the artists aren't as famous, and you can get some people that maybe are still living. I would look at peep artists who are living who are on the older side, i.e. they won't be making art forever. Um, and I'd look at, you know, some of the exhi- exhibitions at San Jose Museum of Art, and they've got a great online website, um, and if you could maybe pick up, you know, um, there's like, for instance, a pioneer video artist. Eh, no, thank you. I'm looking for painters particularly. Um, you know, there's a guy named David Leventhal, who's an influential photographer. Um, he stages little toy figures and miniature dioramas. Um, so... It's interesting to like think that way. You're looking for an artist who's maybe still alive or just recently passed, who's just getting shown for the first time, second time. Um, Camille Rose Garcia, for instance, comes to mind. She's way too young and way too healthy, but if you Google Camille Rose Garcia, she did a lot of the artwork from uh, some movies recently. Um, Tim Burton... Very, very Tim Burton-esque kind of stuff. She produces paintings, prints, and sculptures in gothic, creepy cartoon style. Um, she cites as influences Disney and Philip K. Dick. Um, she's got some fantastic stuff. So Camille Rose Garcia, again, way too young. She's just 44 years old and in good health. Um, but she's breaking through big time at this point in time. So... And when people like Tim Burton stop and say, you know, this is interesting, when I pick up one of her, you know, if you can get for $5,000, $10,000 one of her paintings on eBay or something like that, or if you go to her gallery and pick it up, um, her portraits of, like, Snow White are unbelievable, um, stunning. And she did one with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny that you don't want to show your kids. But she worked on the film Alice in Wonderland with Tim Burton. I think that was called Alice, and uh, came up with a lot of the visual ideas for it. So she's pretty cutting edge. Some other ideas out there, and again, that's you know that started with me talking about artwork, and look where it ended. 
I apologize to my parents, my family, my loved ones, and everyone in between. Motor Train honors the Chevy pickup, uh, the Colorado. Uh, got the Truck of the Year Award over Ford's F-150. What's interesting about that, everyone thought the F-150 would be a shoo-in because it's got major changes with a big aluminum-style body. That's interesting to note. Jim Cramer, the guy who screams a lot, has made a career out of doling on advice. One hedge fund now is saying, hey, he needs to step down from the street. Now, I have the street.com journalist on the show, um, and I think they're you know just incredibly fantastic, smart people. But... The stock has suffered a little bit, and he's getting paid nicely, and he has his mad money show on CNBC. And an investor is a hedge fund manager saying, like, hey, this is a conflict. Do you want to be a TV star, or do you want to run a company? Um, and we'd like you to run the company, or we'd like you to leave. Now, a hedge fund manager is allowed to say that. Anyone's allowed to say it, but there's something called an activist shareholder. Um, and he's gobbled up big portions of the shares. I think he owns 9% this hedge fund manager. And uh, long story short, if I can do a long story short, um, that brings up like you know the one of the pillars of investing. You have to have arguments, both good and bad. You can't just fall in love with a stock. Girl Scouts are seeking online presence. I thought this was one of those stories that I was initially wrong on because I criticized Girl Scouts saying, you know, come on, keep selling them on the corner. And they are. And when I dug deeper in the story... The CEO said the local troops want the ability to create emails with the local troop girls. So if there's a thousand troops in America, there'll be a thousand online videos, um, and they'll advertise locally and to the family members. And I was wrong when I thought, hey, let's let's take a shot at this and just saying, come on, you're being lazy. Part of us buying the cookies is the girl knocking on the door, and hopefully they'll still do that because I think Girl Scouts is one of the most amazing organizations in the United States. Um, it's a really, it empowers so many young girls to become brilliant young women. And we need more of that. We need more of that on a race level, on a gender level, um, on a cultural level. Um, I've heard some of the Girl Scouts speak before. And at one year that I got to speak, I got to, you know, hear some of the, there's like, I think, a bronze, silver, and gold star like level of Girl Scouts. It's kind of like the Eagle Scout. I, I don't quite know because it's kind of a secret organization to me that the more I know, the more creepy I appear. So I don't really want to know. But I heard the CEO talking, and she introduced some of the girls. And some of these girls were like getting Home Depot to pony up, you know, money to put, you know, LED lamps in African villages because oil lamps can get, propane lamps can get knocked over and burned down the villages and kill people. Some of these girls were, you know, if a girl's on her period, her menstrual cycle, she can't go to school in Africa. And, you know, coming up with re that they can clean themselves. Just really helping the world. And getting out there and spreading messages like that. Um, so, buy a Girl Scout cookie this year. Support that organization. Saudis have steeply cut oil prices for Asia in the United States. Big winner there is going to be American retailers like Walmart, Target, Costco. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Girl, it hurts too much to bear, but I'm tantalized by their legs and long hair. But if I could do it again, I would do it again. If I could do it again, I would do it again. 
I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, a couple other stories in the news. And let me take a quick look at, see if there's anything that popped up that must be dealt with. Yesterday I was at the gym, and on my screen came the, hey, Dow closes at record high. I was like, really? I don't really pay that much attention on a day-by-day basis, and I don't think you should either. I think you should ask questions like, what's the best stock to own for my whole life? And if you treated investing that way, I think you do better. If you treated it like, if I were to only own one thing, what would it be? Mine would be the Wilshire 5000, but I think everyone's different. Maybe the Russell 3000, but again, like I said, I think everyone's different. Uh, maybe Nike, maybe Disney. Ooh, now I'm getting greedy. But for a reason. For the record, I think uh, Under Armour's really well positioned as growth, and I think Nike's really well positioned as dominance. This is a rare case of, boy, I can't decide which one I like more. It's like being 16 years old and uh, dating. Like, ooh, who do I go with? Do I go with the sweet, cute, smart? Do I go with sexy? Like, it's too much. So, um, I like them both in the world of apparel, um, athletic apparel, which is becoming more and more of a trend. Um, a friend of mine just bought some running shoes yesterday. Spent 140 bucks on them, and she was a little freaked out. She's like, "How? Did, when did shoes get that expensive?" I know, right? UK introduced a new 25% tax on foreign company profits derived from economic activity in the country, aiming to rein in what it says is tax avoidance by multinationals. U.S. jobless claims fell. They unwound the prior week's increase. Good news. More Americans. Uh, Working, or in this case, fewer Americans getting cut. First time unemployment claims, i.e., come out every Thursday, and they reflect uh, uh, corporate America. Four-week moving average is considered a better measure of the labor market, as it tends to iron out some volatility, like maybe rainstorms got people in from going in, filing for unemployment, or cold. But we've got labor market strength, which is positive. Sony got hacked pretty aggressively, and a lot of movies got leaked online, and a lot of um, pay got leaked, incomes from executives and from movie stars. What's interesting to note about that is, again, security's not going to go away. We're going to have security companies like Palo Alto Networks going to be in business a long time. McDonald's menu problem is that it's supersized. Um, they've got like little separate kitchens, operations are getting just increasingly complex. They've got grinders and blenders and longer weights. So it's a dilemma for the restaurant chain that has 14,300 stores. Um, they've got an average of about 4.6 McDonald's for each county in the country. Um, Barnes & Noble ended a relationship with Microsoft on the Nook, uh, the bookstore retailer bought out Microsoft's preferred interest in Nook for about $120 million in cash and stock. 
freeing the software giant from further investment in the business. This is probably Barnes & Noble's first step to splitting off that division. Um, Angry Birds, their maker, Rovio, is cutting about 14% of its staff, 110 jobs. Uh, that Angry Birds franchise is huge. And again, it's not just the app, it's the stuffed dolls, it's the Halloween costumes, it's the cartoons. Um, it's an interesting company. I wouldn't go as far as say it's an in interesting investment, because they saw the revenue growth stall in 2013, as the new Angry Birds-themed games failed to keep pace as money generators with the top grocery mobile games out there. Um, Sears, their liquidity is improving, but their loss is widening. So I'm going to feel sad one day when Sears finally goes under, or it'll be just a complete shell of itself. <clears throat> There's a Jim Cramer mistake. If you ever want to get a good giggle, he used to refer to Sears as the next Berkshire Hathaway because the guy who was running Sears um, was running it kind of as real estate and not so much retail. They, Kramer was, he was crowing about how great the company is and kind of blew that one pretty aggressively and hurt a lot of people along the way. And again, I don't dislike Kramer. I think he's really good for the markets. Um, if he can get people excited to invest, that's great. But then at some point in time, you need to tone it down and make long-term wealth for yourself in a slow, old-fashioned plotting kind of way. Dollar General said that they reported a 7.8% rise in quarterly sales, and it said it's remained committed to buying family dollar stores which has already agreed to be acquired by Dollar Tree. Um, that's a lot of drama. But the dollar stores in general, the three of them, should do particularly well um, in the coming weeks and year, in large part due to an improving job market. But even more so, uh, the lower-end consumer will be saving money on transportation costs of driving due to cheaper gasoline. So that's what I got for you this afternoon, this today. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Don't forget, i got a, one last webinar coming up for the end of the year, and you can sign up for it. It is free. You can sign up for it at newfocusfinancial.com or robblack.com. Uh, Chad from New Focus does his first, he does the 10 pillars of retirement planning. I kind of go into some income ideas and give an update on the stock market conditions and how you can buy some investment ideas for a diversified portfolio. You can learn more at newfocusfinancial.com or robblack.com. Take care. Talk to you soon. Good day. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.